Okay, welcome back to the Recalibrated Podcast. Um, my name is Mallory Brown and I'm your host and I am actually for the first time sitting across um, the room from my friend Janie Reed. Um, she and I live in San Diego and we met in San Diego and it's a rarity that I'll ever get to do an in-person interview. So I'm just, we just had dinner as a couple with our husbands and my kids are watching a movie and we're sitting down getting to learn a little bit more about Janie. I met Janie. I actually just asked her before we started talking. I said, when did we meet? I thought it was a year ago, like two years ago. <laughs> so no, we just met in January and a, a mutual friend of ours um, introduced us. And I feel like sometimes you just meet people and I'm like, oh, we're going to be friends for yeah. the long haul. And the cool thing to give just like, if I could describe Janie in one word, it would be humble. And so much so that she was in a Bible study with a bunch of women in my community. And she said, Oh, I'm so sad. Like she, you know, she was in it for a couple of weeks and she said, I remember you, oh, she, you're sitting right here. You were like, Oh, well I, um, my time at Bible study is coming to an end. I have to go. And we're like, where are you going? And she's like, Oh, well actually I play for the Olympics yeah, for softball. I'm like, what? And we're sitting in mean, this groom of like, I don't know, 15 women. We're like, how do we not know that? And that's just a testament to who she is. She's, she's awesome. She, I feel like, um, gosh, if my boys could grow up and marry someone like her, I would be so stoked. She's just, she loves Jesus really well. She's an incredible softball player, but she's a deflector. Like you're so good at giving the accolades back to God. And it's just been really fun to know you for this short year. Although I feel like it's been a decade. So, um, I'm, as I said, I'm sitting across the room from her and we're going to learn more about her. So I gave my definition of you. So how would you share who you are to a listening world? And thank you for your definition. Oh, you're you're welcome. Kind. It's real. Um, yeah, I would say I'm a follower of Jesus. Um, I'm a wife. I'm a softball player. I am a leader of a ministry. Um, and I'm just, I think, continually trying to be a grower, you know, like just continue to grow and learn from people that are yeah. um, more spiritually mature than me. And um, I've been blessed to have a lot of those people in my life. How old are you? 27. Okay. And been walking with the Lord for how long? Um, well, I grew up going to church and my okay. parents met in the church that they still go to and that I grew up going to. I have two older sisters, so we all grew up going to church. Um, and I got baptized in junior high. Okay. So I would say I had a, a real encounter with the Lord, but um, really softball took over. And mm -hmm. then I came back to the Lord um, after my sophomore year in college. And what did that look like? Why? Yeah, I... Well, I remember I rem my oldest sister was a leader. She's eight years older than me. So okay. she was um, a small group leader. Okay. And I remember being in junior high and talking to her and telling her, like, I want to get baptized. And she was asking me why. And mm -hmm. I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I just remember I had been having these, like, emotional responses mm -hmm. in church where – like, I just remember our youth pastor would be preaching and I would just like start crying and I didn't oh, know, you know, what yeah. that was. And I knew something was happening. Sure. And I think I had gone to like a winter camp recently or something. And I just, I just kind of basically remember saying like, I want to give my life to Jesus. Like, okay. I just want him to be like the Lord of my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, so I, I remember getting baptized, but I've grown up always being like, I was labeled a perfectionist, mm -hmm. um, which really like, as I've gotten older, I realize I'm more of, I'm more tied to achievement sure. rather than like perfectionism, which can overlap, but are not necessarily the same. Yeah. Um, 
And so in school and in softball, um, and also kind of like an idealist, like, so that kind of came in, uh, like collision with following God, you know, cause sure. I, I feel like growing up, I was always like writing in my journal of like, just like kind of a deep kid and mm-hmm. like introspective and kind of imagining the way that I think the things should go. Yeah. And, and so I think like from a young age, I didn't realize that that was kind of, um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it was kind of bumping up against like following the Bible. Yeah. Um, and so throughout high school, I, um, just like getting a scholarship became really important to me. And then also just socializing and making friends became really important to me. My two older sisters, like, I think my oldest sister never went to a school dance. My middle sister went to like a couple and I, I was just like, I wanted to go to all of them. Um, so it was just a little bit different in that respect. Um, and I would say it was in high school when I started to just lose interest in my relationship with God and start to, um, like chase after those things. Yeah. So what, what was like the tipping point where you came back? Yeah. So I, I go to Oregon and I remember not really being interested in going to church and pursuing a relationship with God when I got to college. Was there, sorry, I totally interrupted. Was there a Christian presence like on campus? There was FCA. It was called cross training. Um, but not a lot of churches in Oregon, which probably a lot of people know. Um, but our manager, his dad was a pastor at a church in town. And then, um, I remember our FCA leader coming to practice and telling us like, and inviting us to come out to cross training, Mm -hmm. but it just sounded so intimidating to me. And I, now as a believer, you know, when people say that, you're like, why is it so intimidating? But I do remember like feeling that way at that time. Um, but I remember getting to Oregon and my priorities were be really good at softball and meet lots of people. Hmm. And I had like gone to parties in high school and like started drinking a little bit in high school. And so I was just like really focused on like those two things really. And, um, I did okay in softball my freshman year, like pretty good for a freshman, but wanted to do better. Um, I also met Jake, my husband, my freshman year, we started dating. Um, what's ironic is I remember over winter break when we like were almost officially boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, sometimes I would, you know, say like, Oh, like be right back. You know, you're yes. texting all, yes. all day. BRV. BRV <laughs> going to church and he didn't grow up going to church, yeah. like maybe a handful of times. And, um, and then when we got back to school, he initiated us going to church, which is huh. really weird. Um, now that I think about it. So we would like, but it was kind of more of like this thing that we did together. Yeah. Um, but I do remember, you know, like the Lord just like kind of, he plants seeds and it, and mm-hmm. they, it happens like much slower sometimes than we want it to, but I can remember those little things and just us, we would walk on Sunday nights, uh, down the street to this church and <clears throat> we went probably like for a month before our seasons picked up and we couldn't go anymore on Sundays. Um, but I, I didn't really go to cross training and kind of had some deep conversations stem from going to church together, but it didn't like really take root. Um, and then our sophomore year, uh, we were still dating, but had like started hitting some road bumps because 
it was just becoming so serious and we weren't mature enough to be able to navigate a relationship Mm -hmm. like that. And, um, and so that year I had like my breakout year, quote unquote. And I just remember thinking that because my idea of relationships, like I said, I was kind of an idealist. It was like all Disney Channel and Nicholas Sparks. Like that's what my relationship is yeah. going to be like. And it kind of was my freshman year, my first boyfriend, not his first relationship. And then my sophomore year was like all of his friends are bagging on him because he's not hanging out with them. So mm-hmm. we're not spending as much time together. And he seems like he's losing interest. And I'm, you know, like yeah. what the heck is going on? And trying so hard to do anything to because it was a it was an idol, you know, totally yeah. in my life. Trying so hard to do anything to become to like win him back almost. Yeah. Like become interesting enough for him to like pay attention to me. Because in all of those Nicholas Sparks types of movies it's all like the girl is so amazing mm-hmm. that she changes the guy sure. you know and I and that's like this false narrative that we could somehow like you know change people or be so awesome that we like earn you know it, it's kind of like parallels the gospel in a lot yeah. of ways. so my sophomore year I I become an all-american which is like this goal that I'd had forever okay but I remember sitting in my room and seeing the news someone had texted me on my phone and then you know telling Jake and he doesn't really care that much and Mm -hmm. our relationship is just dying and that moment was like one of the most empty feelings I've ever felt in my life which is is I actually love that about my testimony because it was through success that like God captured my heart totally I always know like you know, no matter how much success I may get, like, I can never forget that moment of sitting in my room, just like, even the biggest accolade at that time in my career, like, it led me to a very empty place, because I was not, I was not serving the proper God that I was created to serve. So, I just remember like breaking down, crying and going over to my bookshelf and I had brought up my, one of my mom's old Bibles with me to school, more so for aesthetics on my bookshelf than to actually read. (laughs) But I took it out and I just flipped open to a random page and it was to first Peter and I just started reading. And when I got to first Peter two, nine, I just like broke down again because it says like, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Like once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. And the only like explanation that I have that that opened my eyes to something is that when I got baptized in junior high, like I had the Holy Spirit in me, Mm -hmm. even though I was like rejecting it, you know, rejecting him for so long. And just in that moment, I just, something clicked. Like I'm not valuable or worthy because I'm a good softball player or because I look a certain way or anything like that. Like I'm worthy because simply because I've received, Mm -hmm. you know, salvation and I've received sonship into God's family. Like, because he created me, that's why he chooses me. Not because I can achieve anything to, Mm -hmm. to, to earn anything in his sight. And, and that was the starting point back to God. And that's why I'm always so grateful that my parents raised me going to church because when my life felt like so empty, Mm -hmm. I knew exactly where to run to, you know, like for sure. And that's a gift for sure. 
it's even funny might not be the right word, but I think so you purpose in your head, I'm bringing a Bible for aesthetics, <laughs> but imagine like, even if you didn't have a Bible to bring, you know what I mean? Like you exactly. can go back to like how your parents raised you. Like it was in your home. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a scary part as a parent. Like you, you, you pray, like it's, you're not going to have your parents' faith. You're going to have Janie's faith. But I think even just knowing that was a, a thought, you even had access to a Bible to bring to college for whatever hopes it might have. But just, I think it's, it shows spiritual maturity, even in a, maybe an immature walk in college that you knew when in doubt and like mm-hmm. all else fails, grab the Bible. Sure. Um, okay. So that's incredible. I, for those of you listening, I had asked Janie, I said, um, do you have any notes or anything going into this? <laughs> She's like, no. And I'm like, most people shouldn't because it's their story. But I said, what's your scripture? And first Peter two nine is not a short scripture. And when you just spit it, I mean, it's very fluid, but I feel like because of the importance of your go-to scripture, you know it because it's deeply rooted in your mm. testimony. Yeah. Um, well, I'm studying First Peter right now, and I will tell wow. you, it's um, it is probably one of the more impactful books I've ever read. And I'm going verse by verse, very slowly. And it just if you don't see just the kindness of God rooted in that book, so I think it's incredible that your life verse is in that. Okay, so we know when you became a Christian, we know you faced some struggles in college and high school. I mean, probably beyond that too, but what, um, because you have this newfound perspective of like your accolades and performance is because of Christ's kindness in your life. Like, what does that look like when you go on to pro softball world? And then what does it look like when you're going to like the biggest achievement, like the games, Mm -hmm. like that's everybody's goal to go to the Olympics. Like what, like, where do you, how do you keep yourself humble and grounded when you're at again, the pinnacle like point for a softball player? Yeah. What do you do? I think it's a little twofold. Like, I remember my senior year, um, after a couple of years or, you know, maybe a little bit over a year of trying to turn back to my faith, of kind of having this existential moment of like, guys, she's so smart. Did you hear that word? (laughs) Just sorry. I'm like looking at her. I'm like, you're so smart. See, add smart and brains to her humble posture. Go ahead. Keep going. That's okay, good. Was journalism major. It was but. so good. I don't care. It's incredible. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep going. Uh, um, I messed you up. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I remember just thinking, like, I spend four or five hours a day playing softball. Right. And what is the point? Like, there are people suffering all over the world. Yeah. And that was the first time I felt like the Holy Spirit had impressed something on my heart, like like yeah that's true there are people suffering all over the world but there are people suffering on your team and that's why I have you like and I've entrusted you with these people and my whole life I've been a crier like mm-hmm. in softball I I obviously learned to like not cry as I got older but I still like was such an emotional player huh. and I could never hone it in um I always felt like just very so tied to like circumstance emotion like mm-hmm. it was just it was knee jerk reaction. And I would just look around like when people, other people would fail, not everybody responded the way I did. And I just was like, Oh, I care more than other people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would try to make it about the team, but if I let the team down, it was still like, it felt like so deep inside of me, like I could not control it. And it wasn't until I realized like failure is just an opportunity to show people like my hope, my joy, my peace is not in the game. It's in Jesus. And to, really try to show people who Jesus is and what Mm. it looks like to be a Christian because the year before I still wasn't getting it I was trying to lead in my faith but still being like 
psycho on the field when I would bail yeah. and I would invite people to Bible study and no one would come. And it was like, <laughs> we don't want what you have. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And okay. so like then really learning to live it out. Um, I just saw so much fruit come from that wow. like, on my team. And, and it was cool because people who had played with me could see like something was different. You're yeah. not, and I was never like, you know, super aggressive. I'm like a soft natured person, but you could just see it on my face. Like, sure. don't talk to me for three innings because I'm mad. Got and it. I was like, I don't want to be that person, you know, and I don't want to be that kind of teammate. And so um, I got my first USA tryout. My Wait, state. real quick, pause. How do you do that? Like, how do you go from being like an excitable, emotional player to just like, not? I, my, so I came up with this idea of drawing because I, my whole thing was like, I want to be a light. Yeah. So there's this freshman on my team who is also a believer. Okay. And she was the most like cool, like soft natured girl. And I was like, I asked her to keep me accountable because okay, good. I knew that she wasn't gonna like really say anything to me. Cause I knew I, I wouldn't really receive that mm -hmm. super well. If I asked like maybe one of my best friends, that yeah. was my grade or whatever. Um, because I've had to learn how to receive criticism yeah. in my life being an achiever. And so she would just kind of like look at me and mm. it would just keep me accountable. We would draw light bulbs on our wrists every game. Oh, so cool. And so I would just, I would look at it and it was just the conviction of yeah. like, and that's the only thing that can do that is like the love of God in like finally understanding yes. and caring so much about the people around me that yeah. it was like worth it for the first time. I think before you should keep sharing, I just think for all of us, like sometimes we're like, how do you like get over X. Like, how can you go from like being one way behaviorally to like this incredibly like emulating Jesus and all things? And I think you said two things like a tangible reminder. So, whether it's drawing a light bulb, writing scripture on your hand, like we're just, we're so prone to fall back into the ways of our flesh. Mm -hmm. But if you see something, you know, rhythmically, whether it's on your scripture on your phone, something plus accountability. So, I think tangible presence of what you're trying to achieve in Christ plus accountability will help you slowly dissipate the ways of the world. Yeah. I just, that's important because I think oftentimes people are like, oh yeah, you just take on Jesus and then slowly you become less emotional. And it's like, no, there's actual quote unquote work mm -hmm. that has to go into it. But I think the accountability piece um, is critical because we have to be vulnerable with someone and we need someone to hold us to a standard of godliness because we won't hold ourselves to that standard. Absolutely. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. So after that, just realizing I, I, I realizing being around people is a gift and it's, yeah. and it's a responsibility. Um, I I've struggled with my career, like ups and downs and like performance, but I feel like for the most part, I, um, could never look at like a team the same again. Like I just look at it as an opportunity. That's so cool. And I don't always do the best job, but I feel like it's one of those things where God has like lifted a veil mm -hmm. and it's like impossible to go back and like look at a softball team like the same again. Yeah. Um, and so I just think like, and also, I mean, I have accountability on my team. Like yeah. three of my best friends who are believers are on the USA team with me. So like cool. that is unreal, you yeah. know, and we're in ministry together. We do church on the dirt together. And so um, it's, that is a huge component to it. And then, we just all remind each other. And I think, you know, just in our individual walks, like 
now it's to the point where it's like, we know a gold medal isn't going to fulfill us. So it's more so like preparing for what is to come, Mm -hmm. even preparing like Aubrey and I have asked ourselves, like, what if we win silver? Like, are we going to be okay? Yeah. Um, and just preparing our hearts for like, whatever happens, whatever, like God's will is. And, um, but like a year ago at the Olympic trials, I I didn't handle it like the way that I wanted. Like I would have loved to walk in there and be this like Christian woman, mature, like secure in Mm -hmm. my ability. And I was so nervous and Mm -hmm. so like panicky. And, um, and I, and so that's where I just see like God just refining and, and putting me through like various trials and, and, different situations to just continue to like mold me. And I think that's what keeps me humble is going through things like that and realizing like there's no arriving, you know, there's Mm -hmm. just continuous sanctification. Yeah, that's good. Um, Very mature and well said. Okay. So you've mentioned it twice, church on the dirt. What is it? How did it come to fruition? How do you balance church on the dirt being a professional athlete? Like, what is it? And what is your hopes for it? What do you want it to birth into? It's a thriving ministry now, but what, what do you see for it in five years? Yeah, my, the original vision of it was bringing church to the field okay. um, because me and probably one, maybe two of um, the other girls that are in Church on the Dirt with me have experienced growing up in Southern California, playing every weekend. And, you know, I like for my, for me, my story is I went to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as travel ball started, I was in and out of church, felt very out of place in my youth group. Cause I was in and out, yeah. didn't really know where I belonged and kind of drifted from my faith, went through college and then kind of came back and then like really got into my faith after college. Cause sure. I finally like had time. Yeah. And so thinking about that, it's like, man, for softball, a lot of these girls, like college is the biggest platform. We need girls who love Jesus, you know, Mm -hmm. like in college, not just after college. Yeah. And so, um, we, me and my, so right after I left Oregon, I got a coaching job at Biola university, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. I wanted to combine softball and ministry. It was God ordained and the head coach there, Lori Coleman became my mentor like Mm -hmm. very quickly. And so we started this together and, um, we basically kind of get in touch with tournament directors and just ask them if they would allow us to do church on the dirt. And then they can send out our flyer to like all 200 teams. And on Saturdays we'll go around to different fields and give 15 minute chapel services to each team. And then on Sunday we like actually set up church and we like a, allow a place where people can come and, and worship together, like in their softball uniforms. It's, it's the coolest so thing. cool. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so cool. And the parents, the coolest thing is the parents, some of them are just like weeping I'm because sure. they feel so guilty. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing is like, you know, in order to, and, and there's no right or wrong way to do it, but right. a lot of times, like in order to reach the highest level, like you're going to play on Sunday. And so we just don't think that you should have to choose between growing in your it. faith so and, and growing your sport. And so my vision is multiplying ourselves and then having more availability to show up at tournaments because that's when I really like mm-hmm. love what I do and and like fortunately and unfortunately just being so busy with USA a lot of stuff is well obviously COVID but a lot of stuff has been virtual even in the past couple of years um where we've gone out like 
twice a year, once in the fall, once yeah. in the summer. Um, but yeah, I would love to be at more tournaments. A yeah. lot of people ask us like, how can we bring this to our tournaments? And so learning how to multiply ourselves, yeah. I think would be. Do you ever foresee going into other sports? Does any other sport do this? Uh, we don't really know. Like, I'm guessing, I'm thinking no, yeah, to be very honest. No, yeah, there's, I have a friend, she works for FCA soccer in Orange County and okay. she, she wants to do it for soccer. We have, um, a guy at our church, his kid plays baseball and so he's brought it to baseball and so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, franchising seems weird for ministry, but I think yeah. it's, um, it's something I fear. We have three boys and I'm like, we, we say now while they're young, like we will never compromise church because I don't want them to ever have to choose, but who knows, you know, and I, there, it would be really kind of God to like implement this church on the dirt structure for any sport. So, yeah. And a big thing that we've kind of thought is like, okay, if you, like, for my story, I felt very detached to my youth groups. Right. So what if me and my parents had taken it upon ourselves to make our softball family our church family, you know? Wouldn't that because be something? you're so close to those yes. people. Yes, and the amount of time and hours. Yeah. And, yeah, I think, um, so, I mean, so in five years, this, that could be a thing. Mm -hmm. Multiple sports, more tournaments, more of a presence. I just, um, I mean, for anybody listening, there is a, a social media page specifically for Church on the Dirt. There's a lot of content on there. I mean, it's very much a thriving ministry, but run by two USA softball members, pretty much, plus yeah. Lori. Mm -hmm. um, so I would just encourage you guys, like, if you are in and around the world of softball and this is interest, does interest you, like, pioneer it. Like, be the family for your, you know, be the family that launches this in wherever. I mean, this is nationwide. It's mm -hmm. not just California specific. I just think it's... It should, to your point, it should never have to be a choice. And it doesn't have to, if you would just stand in the gap. And I feel like you've provided enough legwork. You, you've given us a model of like how to do it. So it's just like, just implement what's Church on the Dirt is doing. Absolutely. And I would just add yeah, please. that I think something that God's also teaching me right now is the importance of the local church. And so I think that's a huge thing of like, we don't want to we want to stand in the gap, but yeah. we are, we don't want to become your church. Like no. we always want to be like guiding people in like into a relationship with God, pursue a relationship with God and pursue community within the softball community. But also like, it's so important to be tied to a local church as well. I mean, I couldn't agree more, but why, why is it important <sighs> to be in your local church? I think that, you know, God has created us to serve people and serve our communities. And also like, it's so important to be around people that are not like you. Yep. And oh my gosh, like God has humbled me so much <laughs> like in that respect, because I'm just like, I just can't relate to certain people that like, maybe they don't understand sports or they just like, they're so different. And yeah. like, just in the last year, I have just fallen in love with the people in my church and just grown so much respect and like admiration for the wisdom that they have. And yeah it's their path has been very different from mine, but it's again, like the only word I can think of is it's been humbling to me. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. I mean, I could, I think it's hard in and around the world of pro athletics, the local church, you probably don't even know oftentimes like where it is. Cause mm -hmm. if you don't have a home base, but I would just say encouragement from the two of us is like whatever city of play you're in, this is typically, this is more geared towards like pro athletes. Mm -hmm. But honestly, even if you guys are like, in high school or college and you're traveling, like try to go to church on the weekend, like just yeah. go into a random church. I mean, it's not a long-term commitment for the local community, but see what another church in another city looks like yeah. and get perspective of the local church globally, not just in your own specific city. Mm -hmm. um, 
Okay. Well, yeah, we heard your scripture, first Peter two, nine, but is there anything else? We'll just kind of keep it a little bit more open-ended in the season of life. Like what is God illuminating to you right now? Yeah, I think, well, my word for this year is steadfast, which when I... Very fitting. Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was going to mean something a lot different, um, but it's been really cool just this year learning about that. And I think a big part of being steadfast is being, is having peace. And um, a lot of times, like the path, I think all the time, the path to peace is through, is through discipline, you Mm -hmm. know, and and so I think just, Can you, we're going to say that one more time. Sorry. See, she's so wise and so humble, so smart, but I think that's the, one of the most wis, wisest wisdom. Hello. <laughs> wisest thing I've heard. The path to peace is rooted in discipline. Yeah. Right. Right. So like, again, you have to, there's intentional pursuit in peace. Like it just doesn't, it's a hard reality. Like it just mm-hmm. doesn't happen. Like there's pursuit and you got to fight for it, yes. you know? Anyway, that was very good. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. So I'm learning like how to practice discipline, which is, is really cool. Just going through rhythms of renewal with yeah. our group and, um, yeah, learning that if I am at, if I'm at peace, um, and I'm grounded in peace in the Lord, um, because I'm practicing spiritual disciplines, yes. then I can be so much more effective to the people around me. Like I can disciple and love so much better if yeah. they, there's peace in me because I'm not distracted yes. by these things that are in me. Uh-huh. And then I'm able to just be like, so steadfast and like, yeah. you know, constant. And so, which I would not like, I don't think that's natural for me. You know, sure. I'm, I'm a little, I'm an external processor. I can, I can, I've struggled in the past with being tied to my emotions, mm-hmm. which I'm like also working through of learning. There is space between circumstance and my emotional that's reaction good. to it. Yeah. And so I think that's a big thing that God is, has been teaching me this year. And, and then also just lately, the simplicity of the gospel has become really clear to me. And especially just during like this, these times, Mm -hmm. like with everything that's going on, all of these things are so important, but it's also bringing up obviously a lot of hard conversations. It's bringing up like ways that we're differing from other people. And it's really clarified like the, the, just the purity and the basis of, we can't do anything to earn what uh-huh. Jesus has given us. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just been so humbling, so refreshing and just understanding like we never graduate from the gospel Yeah, and really realizing that the gospel should be in everything that we do. Yeah. Well, well done. You answered <laughs> all your questions, right? Um, I just, um, it's so fun. I mean, I, again, I'm sitting across from Janie. So it just, it's so fun. I, I mean, I know you well enough, but I feel like even what you shared this evening, I don't think I've heard it to that degree. And it just, I think when you hear people's testimonies, especially sitting across from one another, like they're raw, they're emotional, they're real, but they're also like hats off to God. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, imagine if he never captured your heart again in the highest worldly moment of your life. Mm-hmm. And I just think that is such like, people have to remember that, like, the world's success can like find you broken and just so, as you said, empty. And it just, I think it's such a countercultural reality, but it's kind of God again, to just like really insert himself into that moment. Um, 
you're the best and I love that you're my friend. Um, I would also encourage you guys, what Jeannie was talking about is Rebecca Lyons' book, Rhythms of Renewal. We're reading it with a bunch of women and it is, um, it is a great book of application. It probably, it's for a lot of people that have been walking with the Lord, it surfaces things you may know to be true, but just really um, shares it from a voice of a female for us females listening. It's just helpful. Um, and it's really, she's just, Rebecca Lyons is very wise. And it's just for us, we're only six chapters in, but there's been a lot of application we've held each other accountable in and it's, it's working. Mm -hmm. It matters. Um, so I just, I would encourage you guys, if you're looking for reading material, it's been a blessing thus far. Um, but thank you. Thanks for sharing. Um, I'm glad my kids did not pop in our room where we were recording (laughs) and our husbands had some nice time in fellowship, but, um, you're a gift. And I just, I do pray church on the dirt takes off and even just, I just pray it multiplies in every sport. And I just, Thank you for your time. You're an incredible human being. And I just uh, thank you guys for tuning in to Recalibrated. Um, It's been fun. Thank you for listening to the Recalibrated Podcast with Mallory Brown. This podcast is part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories intersecting sports and faith, check out sportsspectrum.com.